When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, now it's a chance for Ryan Christie. Right corner of the penalty here for the Cherries here. Onto his left foot. Spilled by the goalkeeper. And turned in by Don Solanke. Ryan Christie's shot couldn't be held by the Welshman Adam Davis. And Don Solanke poaches the goal. His eighth league goal of the season. And the Cherries have at last Hello and welcome to episode 136 of Back of the Net, the AFC Bournemouth podcast. My name's Sam Davis and in this pod, I'm joined by Jeff Hayward and we spend just under an hour looking at two very different performances over the last few days as AFC Bournemouth gained maximum points from our trips to Bristol City and more notably Stoke City. It was cold, it was wet, but Bournemouth did the job courtesy of a Dom Solanke goal. The Potters really didn't pose much of a threat, but we extended our lead at the top of the championship. We also give a certain hat tip to a reporter of Stoke whose report on the game, it's fair to say, probably won't win any literary awards. There's stats, there's praise, there's wonderment and there's ponderment as Boscombe go clear at the top of the championship. You love to see it. Jeff, how are you doing? Excellent. Some would say you might be feeling top, is that right? Oh yeah, yeah, top of the league, mate. So you've seen two matches in the space of a few days. Firstly, at Ashton Gate on Saturday. And look, we're all beaming after our win at the Bet365. But we need to cover off that Bristol City performance. And Jeff, we're going to go straight into it. In my eyes, it's probably the most complete performance of the season. I don't know about you. The most complete performance that I've seen for several years, I would say. Wow. We, we were we were so good. 
I, I haven't felt so comfortable watching a game for, I can't remember how long. Wow. So we were at the pump house beforehand and we were debating the teams and then they were announced. And a lot of Bournemouth fans were very surprised with what happened with no Jefferson Lerma in the starting lineup. That wasn't a surprise, but no Pearson, no Smith. Kilkenny came in. Lowe was out on the right. So Stacey was also in for Smith as well. So as far as I was concerned, there was a lot of excitement pre two o'clock, but when those teams were announced, there there was almost a little bit of a hush on our table, wasn't there? Because we were thinking, OK, now, is this the performance where it's all going to unravel? We were nervous and mm. probably because of the Peterborough effect where we changed up the team. It was an away game where we were expected to get three points and the players that came in did not perform. So mm. here we are again. Kilkenny hadn't played for several games. Uh, Lowe had barely played any minutes at all all season. And you're putting those two players on the pitch and then expecting Christie to play a slightly different role to what he's been used to. It all felt like it could be a recipe for uh, a lack of cohesion and perhaps an under-par performance. How wrong we were. Yeah, how wrong we were. So at that time, we restored our three-point lead at the top of a championship with what was eventually a comfortable win versus the Robins. Jamal Lowe celebrated his first league start by steering Jack Stacey's wicked cross in from close range to put the cherries in front. And then Jordan Zamora's stunning finish just before halftime then doubled the lead as the visitors took firm control and take control we did and there are a number of talking points in this match but one of the biggest talking points was probably regarding someone who wasn't there and how nice was it to see all of the fans inside the stadium not only inside the stadium at Ashton Gate but also around the world as well getting behind David Brooks it was so good to see Loads of teams were sporting T-shirts, including Millwall and many others. And of course, we were as well. But what a reaction that was on seven minutes for David. Yeah, it was it was an emotional day. Um, the first chance that we'd had as a community to to meet and, and, and feel the emotions that uh, we've all got. And we all feel for David Brooks at the moment. I mean, he's going through a terrible thing. Um, we've got... Uh, fingers crossed that he makes a strong comeback but I think it's really important that we all we're all together in this with him and and I think it actually helped unite the the team in that performance as well you could you could tell the reaction to that goal was brilliant the applause on seven mm. minutes from the entire football community it's not just a Bournemouth thing you know everybody's affected by by cancer and uh, Brooksy if you're listening we we can't wait to have you back yeah, we can't wait. And as we say, the prognosis is very good. But I tell you what, it was very good on the 21st minute as well, where Jamal Lowe got on the end of it. As I said, it was a very wicked Jack Stacey cross. Now, quite often, we've been guilty of not delivering crosses from out wide very well. Long, loopy crosses. I remember Kirk coined the phrase hang time Rico for the amount of times his, his crosses hung in the air and didn't have any speed to them. But when you do that, it means that you've got to get your run right, but also it just means the slightest touch will probably cause the keeper problems. And as it was, Jamal Lowe wasn't probably 
in the most natural position in terms of facing the ball, but he got a leg out onto it and steered it into the corner of the net past the flailing keeper. And what a start that was for the Cherries. But I don't I don't really know what he was doing in that position. No, he kind of ghosted in there, wasn't picked up. And maybe maybe it just plays to to low strengths more as a natural goal scorer. Yeah. Um he's banged in plenty of goals wherever he's been. He he finished as if it was uh, the most natural thing in the world to stick your left foot out there and not sky it over the bar, but stick mm. it in the back of the net. Um, brilliant. I thought the Bristol City defence could look at themselves because nobody picked him up, really. And and it was beautiful cross from Stacey, who, who actually spent a lot of the afternoon um, flying down that flank. And he seemed to have a really good natural link-up with, uh, with Jamal as well, which was terrific. Sometimes you don't see that when two players come together on the pitch for the first time, but you really did. And Jack Stacey, yeah, he was bombing down that right flank and he was doing it in the last match as well, which we'll come on to later in the show, of course. But he put in that wicked cross. Jamal Lowe was on the end of it and then they ran over and grabbed the Brooks shirt. And that's a picture that's gone far and wide over social media. So, yeah, get well soon, David Brooks. But it was a complete performance in many ways because some of the players that we could probably pick out for praise in that first half. Philip Billing, Dominic Solanke for his work great. Of course, Gary Cahill at the back for being assured. But can we give a little hat tip to a little Irish fella in midfield that seemed to run the show? Oh, my God. Killiester, uh, is that a name? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Gavin Iniesta, Killiester. It's, yeah, it's doable. <laughs> I mean, the, the quality of... I keep having to pinch myself. How young is Gavin Kilkenny? How inexperienced he is playing professional football. And that performance that he put in, he's, he's, got, he's got a skill, um, an ability, an awareness of, of how to manage the ball when it, and how to bring it under control and when to release it, where to release it. It's just so, so natural. Um, there are parts of his game when he when he sort of takes the ball and he he's kind of blocked off and he does this sort of turns on him on himself to bring it back in the other direction and he does that so naturally it's so Michael Carrick at his peak mm. and and you look at that and you think this guy has everything he really does. And he's got the confidence to keep doing it as well because he's had a couple of situations this season where he's lost the ball and sometimes teams have scored as a result of it. Most notably that I remember was in the EFL Cup, not that that's a match we want to really talk about, but he lost the ball and then Norwich went and scored and there were a few mistakes that day, but he keeps on doing the same thing and he doesn't lose confidence because of that. And he plays in tight situations. I remember this little clip that went viral of him from the West Brom game start of the season where he knocked it over the head of one player, then he turned 180 degrees and went back, and then he just played to the side. And he's he's so cool and composed on the ball, and he offers something a little bit different. And that's quite nice, because whilst we've got similar players in terms of uh, positionally, Ben Pearson, Lewis Cook, and Gav Kilkenny, for example, they all can do slightly different things. And it's quite nice now that Parker can just tweak it and choose different players to match the team that we're playing so it's not like a big change it's just very subtle changes yeah he's not as aggressive naturally as either Pearson or Lerma but he's got uh, a, a, an ability to spray the ball that's probably better than both of those you know he can mm. ping the ball to either flank really well you can see a pass 
and he can just evade um, the opposing midfielders or defenders just so naturally. It is, it's a joy to watch. And yeah, you're right. He can, he can be uh, changing the side now, Parker, and giving sort of little variations to that midfield according to the state of the game or the opposition we're playing. It's, it's brilliant, really good. And it's and it's lovely now that we've got so many options in terms of bringing Christie inside, or we can have him out wide. And Christie was instrumental in our second goal just before half time. I mean, what a raking pass that was! That was from that was from the Gavin Kilkenny locker, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, we'll come on to Christie in his performance against Stoke as well. But I thought against Bristol City, he was excellent. The guy's energy levels are just on another level. If that's not too many levels, but <laughs> it he really does he really does bubble and and fizz with energy, which is fantastic. It's infectious, uh, and he's also got great vision and great skill. And I think that's the underrated part of his game. Mm. Um, so you're not necessarily expecting him to do those little dinks over the tops that he did in that game for Billing to score recently, or that spread that that ball so brilliantly across to, to Jay-Z and um, Jay-Z is give him space to run into. He will hurt you. And wow. You know, what a, what a goal. Brilliant step over defender. Didn't know which way to go. And he just smashed it. It was fantastic. When you look at where Jordan Zamora grabs the ball, firstly, the control was absolutely excellent. And then there's only one thing that he's got in his head and that's to bomb forward. And, the right back must be confused because he's he's got that low centre of gravity, but I keep on talking about it, but it just means he can go right and he can go left and he must be thinking which way is he going to go with this. And with Dom Solanke and Phil Bill's late runs into the box, it's it must be so difficult for any defender to predict what's going to happen. You've got Jaden Anthony also providing another decoy that, you know, maybe he's going to, you know, do the underlap or the overlap. There are so many different... Uh, options on the pitch in many passages of play but with that one he just he just ran at him with pace and that's quite scary as a defender you've got to show him the line he he tried to but Jay-Z's just so fast and then to have that in your locker to smash it into the roof of the net at the near post by the way that's the same keeper that fluffed up that junior Stanislas cross in last year's match at Bristol City they took the lead and then Stanislas put in a cross comes shot, the near post, which he, he fluffed. That's where he's susceptible. But, you know, maybe maybe they knew that. But he absolutely smashed it. Top of the net. I didn't see it. You did. But a hell of a goal, eh? Uh, stadium erupted. It was it was no more than we deserved. We, we played so well in that first half. Uh, dominant performance. Bristol City weren't laying anything on, on us. They, they, they weren't even getting a glove close to us. It was that bad. And I think... I the, the the just the the way we approached that game, the way we controlled it, the way we passed, the way we moved, it was a pretty nigh on perfect performance. Just needed more goals. Uh, yeah, well, exactly, and that's and that's the one thing that we could probably say if there was a criticism from this is the fact that we need to be scoring more goals. But that said, Bristol City barely posed a threat. You've got to say, um, you know, they barely came close and all you know credit to Travers for being alert during that because you know he could have made a cup of tea at times without ha having any problems whatsoever that's testament to how well organized we are at the back and you know we can't ever downplay how important the Gary Cahill is not that anyone does 
he's been instrumental at the back and it, you know it just seems to be uh, reverberating throughout the side so much confidence Phil Bill had a great game as well Dom Solanke's work rate and look two different scorers uh, and that's quite nice to see it's not your billing in Solanke's I said this to Morgan on another show it's it's quite nice now that we're mixing up so goals will come and can come from all over the pitch which which makes us a scary proposition to play against we are so scary I think Bristol City were probably a little bit um, afraid of yeah. us, just the lineup. And it's really interesting, just generally how we're being perceived. I don't see a huge amount of uh, media interest or attention in us. I see a lot of it in West Brom and Fulham at the moment. Yeah. But what they're there's there's almost we're we're under the radar, and that's pretty good. I think, um, but yeah, every team we come up against, no, they just know how good we are. And against Bristol City, we were we were playing football on another planet to to them. Yeah, are are we on another level? Are we just on another level? Because one thing that I've said before as well on previous shows is that there's there's no obvious single star in the side. No. It seems to be. Uh, shared equally with the eleven that's uh, you know that's taken to the pitch, whoever that is. And Scott Parker just seems to have them really well organised, and you know there aren't any obvious stars. And you know, is this the epitome of no iron team? You know, this is the ultimate team that we seem to have here, and maybe that's where perhaps West Brom and Fulham maybe are reliant on individuals like Mitrovic for goals for Fulham, and West Brom have got their stars as well. We don't really have that. There's a great work ethic, a great team work ethic. You can you can see it in the amount of energy they put into to getting the ball back, and that's something that last season um, couldn't say it was there with any great reliability. Mm. Um, the the confidence to to attack teams is there this season, and that again wasn't there. You know, it was it was much more reliant on individuals. I think last season. I mean, a huge caveat to say is that we're we're only four points better off than we were same number of games last season, which is which is interesting. When I saw you say that on a message, and you know, credit to Scott Parker, as you can see on screen, those watching on YouTube now, he's he's got us playing in a in a really good style, and I've seen a number of interviews from pundits and people in the media that are just purring over uh, over AFC Bournemouth style, but. It feels like there is still more to give, but you're right. We are only four points better off. So um, I don't think he's, he's the type of person to become complacent because it, he seems to suggest that there's more to do as well. No, and that, and that is encouraging also. Mm. Um, I think there was always a sense from the players last season that we, we just needed to do just enough to get a win. And mm. I don't get that sense this season. I think there was a definite appetite to um, to make a statement to the league with that game against Bristol City. Um, okay, we only won 2-0, but we were we were streets ahead. It should have been four, should have been five. And ditto, I think, when we come on to talk about the Stoke game, you know, there was there's a there's a sort of appetite from the team to put in the hard yards this year that we didn't have last season. And that is what is so gratifying. Um, We've still got a lot of skill. I think you cannot underestimate the 
the the contribution of the younger players into this team and the energy they've brought. Likewise, you cannot underestimate the importance of those deadline day signings. Both Cahill and Christie have been immense and they were immense in that Bristol City game, but it's more than just those individuals. And you've got Junior Stanislas coming back. You've got Lewis Cook coming back. It's, it's it's actually scary. You know, Adam Smith hasn't featured and Jack Stacey's managed to almost make that position his own within two matches. After what I thought was an under par performance from him at Peterborough, he's now put in two showings, which makes me think, well, how can you put Adam Smith back in there? It's it's these combinations that all seem to be working. But whereas on the right-hand side, we're, we're not too sure of the com, uh, the actual combination. On the left-hand side, I think we are. And there are certain players that just pick themselves, I think. And one of them who picks himself is Dom Solanke. And we'll talk about the Sheffield, uh, sorry, the match against Stoke City very shortly. But before Stoke City, Jeff, I mean... I think we had conversations on WhatsApp or Telegram before where we were thinking four games from these two, four points from these two games will probably be all right. Stoke City are a decent side. They're the only side to have beat West Brom this season. Their home record is incredible. On a cold, wet Tuesday night at Stoke with their fans raucous, it's going to be a difficult match. But it didn't prove to be that. But what were your thoughts before that game? Yeah, I was worried. I thought the the fixtures were both tricky in their own way. Bristol City were coming off the back of a, a couple of good away performances. They'd beaten QPR, they'd beaten Peterborough. Um, they had a manager who's proven to get performances out of his teams against us in the past. You know, I've still got the scars from that Watford game when they beat us 3-0 at Dean Court not too yeah. long ago. And, you know, Pearson is a manager who gets his teams motivated and physical, but uh, we come confidently uh, destroyed them and that was terrific to watch then you think wow you know we put in a big shift in that game and we had to put in a big shift to get that result so how's it going to be two days later against Stoke and like you I was thinking if we got four points out of those two I'd be extremely happy then you sort of see that Bristol City performance and you think you know what maybe we could go and nick it against Stoke this mentality that we've got within the squad, I absolutely love. And look, Nigel Pearson was cooing about us. I don't know if you saw his interview with mm. uh, Bristol City's uh, media team after the game, but he he just he just praised us for half of it and said, "Look, you know, they're a Premier League side, and we're showing it." Yeah, you know, we haven't got the Premier League stars, so to speak. I know that various players that we've had have featured in the Premier League, but you know, you're mixing up with Mark Travers, who's had a handful of Premier League games, Jaden Anthony. John Zamora. I mean, it's you know Gav Kilkenny. It's the the future is really bright, and I've got to say the board must be rubbing their hands together any time that people like Jordan Zamora and Jaden Nancy take to the pitch because each game that goes on, their value must be shooting up. I think I think one of them. I think Jordan Zamora's contract might be um, expiring very soon, so I'm sure we'll be nipping that in the bud. But I mean what an asset he is and you know those those pairing that pairing were two of the players that we knew were going to be starting against Stoke City Dom Solanke as well but anyway on to the clash at the Betsy at 365 Stadium and the teams were announced and it was yeah there you go that was the Bournemouth side that took to the pitch tomorrow Lowe was unlucky 
to miss out. But it was basically Lerma for low. And that's what Tom predicted on the vlog. If you watch that, make sure you check it out. But other than that, it was nice to see Scott Parker rewarding players like uh, Gav Kilkenny, who had a great performance. It's good to see players like him weren't dropped just for the uh, sort of default option. I did feel sorry for Jamal Lowe because he did play really well and great. it gave us some great attacking threat and obviously scored scored as well. So hard done by, I think, to be left out. But I kind of feel that Parker's got him in as a potential replacement for Dom if ever Dom gets injured. And you can you can see that too. So will he will he get more kind of roles as a cameo from the subs bench this season? I think he probably will, but again, harsh on him because he was so good. Lerma's obviously got over all his travelling and against Stoke, you you kind of felt we needed perhaps a, a bit more of a physical edge against them. It's it's renowned as a tough place to go. Yeah. They're a big physical side. They, um, they beat us by being big and physical in the last game of the season last year. And um, yeah, you know, it was... It was all set up with the, uh, the the inclement weather as well to be a pretty tough fixture. I've got to say, Jeff, it wasn't cold up there. It wasn't too bad, but it was just incredibly wet. However, the conditions as we came back, drove back at, I think we got back about two, half past two in the morning or something like that. Uh, it got worse as we as we drove more south. So, yeah, maybe, maybe it's actually a not bad uh, night to experience in Stoke. And certainly in terms of the result, it was superb. But... It was a different test, a completely mm-hmm. different test. And whilst I don't think Stoke were exactly on fire, they, they showed a little bit of impetus early doors with a chance that where well, they flashed it wide, even within the first 30 seconds of the game. And they had these little chances every so often. But really, though, apart from one moment later where they hit the post, so I actually felt that we were fairly comfortable, but we were probably the architects of our own demise during that first half. I say demise, we didn't do anything majorly wrong. We just we just sort of didn't really get going. Yeah. Um, what did Stoke bring? They were gnarly against us. You know, they brought a kind of aggression and there was a definite um, a effort to get in our faces and unsettle us. Um, they defended deep. They were well organised. They got men behind the ball, made it difficult for us to try and pick passes through. Didn't give us a lot of space. So um, it it was a different type of game. And uh, they were um, they they were never threatening, mm. but they were obdurate and difficult and a bit horrible to play against. And I think we just weren't quite on it in that first half. Having said that, are you going to talk about that bit? What was it, 18 minutes when Phil Bill had that glorious opportunity? Yeah, the ball came across from the right-hand side and Phil is the is the master of timing those runs late into the box. And, you know, really, I felt like he probably should have done better with that. But, you know, you'll have seen that chance probably more times than I have on replays. What did you think when you saw it? It was a clear foul from uh, Joe Allen behind him. He basically took him out before he gets the strike on. Wow, okay. And the ref chose to ignore it. I don't think Phil perhaps Phil perhaps didn't make as much of it as he ought to have done. He didn't make it clear and obvious to the ref because he, he thought he could score. And actually, 
he was a little bit unbalanced by the challenge uh, that was nowhere near the ball and uh, flashed it wide. Um, I think a word for the officials. We won. They were dreadful. Yeah, they, I mean, they were absolutely dreadful. And look, it's not only that Phil Bill situation that you mentioned there, but it's also Jay-Z in the second half. And I've watched replays, I've seen interviews, and unanimously, everyone is saying that it's a penalty. So, yeah. And then there were these little moments in front of our faces in the, um, where we were, where, Jack Stacey uh, clearly did not touch it last and it came off the defender and we should have had a corner, which could have been chanced to gain some momentum. There was a there was a moment in late into the second half where Pearson was just shepherding the ball out because his assumption was that they got the last uh, touch on the ball and it should have been a Bournemouth goal kick, but the referee gave a corner. Haven't seen that again, so I'm not actually sure whether that was the case, but the linesman pointed straight to the corner flag and... Oh, I just, yeah, it did almost feel like that at times, I've got to say. It did. And and also the foul count, what was it, 17-3 against us, something ridiculous. And really, Stoke, wow. Stoke players, I think, were falling over, getting easy fouls that the referees have been told to not give this season. They were They were getting them every time we would be getting similar challenges but not getting the fouls you know it was kind of like and then then the thing that really annoyed me at the end of the game mm. i mean everybody was annoyed i'm sure but five minutes of added time he plays what seven you know it's like where's that come from yeah no absolutely i i i did feel like we were up against it at times but we held firm and you know, players like Gary Cahill, absolutely instrumental once again, just talking and orchestrating his back four. Uh, there were a few times where maybe we were being a little bit cynical and um, a certain Stoke-based journalist this morning has faced the wrath of Twitter, Pete Smith from Stoke-on-Trent Live, the, the Stoke Sentinel, started his article about the match saying, same old Bournemouth who showed their same old horrible side to win another scrappy game at Stoke. He goes on to criticise the Cherries on a number of occasions in that ma in that match and talks about Cherries fans um, coming up in a minibus and uh, we were the reason why the Stoke fans didn't get going. It was the most salty article piece of um, amateur journalism that I've I've possibly ever seen you know when when our guys over here I mean John Williams after he said those things in that Barnsley game talking about champagne football and saying Barnsley didn't deserve you know all that kind of stuff which was you know very salty they they completely deserved the 3-2 win he was off Radio Solon for a few weeks like you know they gave him a chance to calm down the press it seems uh in uh you know written media don't don't perhaps have that accountability and i think a lot of it was probably clickbaity he probably realized he wasn't really going to get the uh the hits and the visits um on their website from writing just your standard formulaic stuff but so instead decided to lay into bournemouth and to be fair it worked but uh it it wasn't a good look and look um stoke Stokes fans, I thought, were incredibly quiet during that. Bournemouth only took 549, but, you know, we completely outsung them. Um, but our team provided us a reason to outsing them. Whereas Stoke, I just thought, apart from that chance where they hit the post, were fairly toothless, really. 
I think Stoke City are a good side. They are likely to make the playoffs. They beat West Brom in their last home game. They've got good players. I think they were unfortunate in that their best player injured himself, uh, challenging Jeff in the first half, so had to go off. Um, I think some of their players looked a bit tired because they'd had a tough schedule. Playing Sheffield United away was not an easy fixture to come into our game off the back of, particularly since they lost that in the last 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they're, a, they're a good side. For the championship, I think they they have enough to make the playoffs, but they didn't carry enough threat. And I think Tyrese Campbell is a player that they miss. You know, he's been a big miss for them. They need that sort of uh, creator, goal scorer, because I don't think their midfield is that creative, really. The way they play um, with their, those wing-backs, um, when you're playing a team like us, they defended so deep against us that the wing-backs could never get forward quick enough. So, you know, they, they didn't really have much threat going forwards. And then when they did go forward in those last sort of 20 minutes, they, they did cause us some issues. So it just needed somebody in the middle to stick the ball in the net. I like Stoke City as a team. I think they're good. I don't know why they're so salty about us. You know, I heard that chanting last night. You know, you telling me that in the same position you wouldn't have slowed the game down? Hmm. Of course you would. And you know, let's be fair. Stoke City aren't exactly infamous for playing the prettiest brand of football, and they're you know they've been known for that kind of temperament for absolute years, and now they've come and played a, a soft southern side that actually, you know, give a bit back and then they're crying into their cornflakes this morning. And, it's, you know, I didn't think Northerners cry, but Pete Smith from the Stoke Sentinel obviously has shown that to be wrong by his writing in, oh, it's an awful article, I've got to say. Now, whilst we will wind back to the goal uh, that won it, you mentioned Tyrese Campbell earlier and, you know, when he came on, he came on after 70 minutes. Sam Surridge, it was, it was nice to see him back on the pitch. And you know what? I think he played well. Um, for the Potters, but then ten minutes later, when Campbell came on, it was like they were bringing on Pele or something, mate. The it was like the the crowd like properly got up for it, and it's you know it's the loudest that I had heard him throughout the match, and he he you could see how perhaps unfit he was when Sam Surridge combined well with him to put him through, but he just he just sort of he didn't have the edge, and you know really from the chance that he had with Mark Travers approaching him he, he probably should have done better but um nice to see uh Surridge come on and uh yeah it, you're good for Stoke to see a, a return for Tyrese but yeah look let's talk about another striker after 51 minutes hey um what were your thoughts of that goal from Dom I think first of all the way we pressed to get that ball was terrific yeah incredibly yeah. And, and we were doing that all game. I mean, sometimes Stoke managed to play through us because they're a decent side. Other times we, we picked up the ball so often in their half, uh, which gave us the front football. And it happened in that 51st minute where, in fact, we won it and then gave it back to them. And then we won it again, which I thought was, again, testament to the, the mentality that we've got with this team. Mm. Um, and it was actually Jane Lantony saw the pass, intercepted it, releases it to Christie. The great thing about Ryan Christie, one of the many great things about him is that he's not afraid of having a go. Took it in on his left and he's got a really uh, sh- a really sharp, quick backlift. So the keeper wasn't necessarily expecting it. Wasn't a particularly hard shot. It was just the way it skidded. Mm. And, um, and yeah, fumble, 
Dom was there to smack it in. Fantastic goal. Instinctive as well from Dom, which is something that I've not, you know, those words are rarely said together in the same sentence, uh, Solanke and instinctive. But if that's something that's being coached into him or whatever, that's brilliant. Because as soon as Christie shoots, you can see him making the run. Because I think part of him is thinking, look, if he just runs across, he'll, he'll probably get a touch or maybe he could be a decoy for the keeper. But as soon as he spills it, he's right in there. And if he can add that to his game, I think that's absolutely superb. And like I said to uh, Kirk, on his channel yesterday when I went on after the game with Steve, I think that maybe if he can become that striker as well, like added to all the uh, you know strings he's got at the moment, then he could become a 20, 25 goal a season striker, especially if he's taking pens as well, which, you know, you're sort of looking at the value that we paid for him now and you're thinking, actually, yeah, fair enough. It's probably worth it. <laughs> worth it. Yeah, Dom is a, a rare type of centre forward he can't be easily pigeonholed and I think we've all tried to do that we've all tried to say oh he's that yeah. type of striker or he's that type of striker and I don't think you can do that with him because he's he he plays he plays differently to a lot of strikers you know like he does he does that pressing which is very much like um Ian Rush from those uh vintage people in the yeah. audience who might remember him you know chasing the ball down all yeah. the time making it hell for the defenders he does that a lot he knits the game together in a way that's very kind of Teddy Sheringham, him, you know, again, just kind of of great awareness. He can play those neat little touches and then he can do what he did last night. And suddenly you think, oh, he's a bit, bit Shearer, a bit Lineker. You know, he's mm. kind of, he's got all those qualities at different times in his game. He did not score 50 goals as a youth player for Chelsea without being all of those things. And I think we just need to be patient with him. You know, sometimes he doesn't click. Sometimes he's, you know, in the second half against Bristol City, he was through a couple of times and should have scored and didn't miss hit, mm. miss the target. But he can score those type of goals. He can be all those things. And that makes him a very rare commodity for us. Um, he's going to score 20 goals for us at least this season. And um, he's going to be a massive part of our promotion surge. Brilliant yeah. player. With those chances against Bristol City, going back to that, I think that they were they were quite difficult chances because he was on his right foot and that was the obvious place to hit the ball. It's very difficult to generate power, especially with the with the angle of his body at the time. Perhaps if the ball was a little bit wider than him, then he would be able to generate the swing to maybe you know slam it into the back of the net, almost like uh, Jordan Zamora did in the first half of that match. But yeah, very difficult and. You know, you're looking at chances that he should he should be scoring. Um, there was that moment where he hit the bar, and that's probably because he was he was so confident he almost hit that too well. Yeah, I mean, I th I thought it was in either side. So Keep I. it down. That's in. But great footwork as well. You know, he's got he's got lots of skill as for a big mm. man that um, that is just so precious. And I think in this division. He is going to uh, stand out from uh, the opposition and make it difficult for them. Yeah, absolutely. And look, we hit the bar, Stoke hit the post, and it was a bit lax. I've got to say that you know there was a, some some sort of lax moments. Uh, the the usual issues that we tend to have giving stupid free kicks away in the final third, and they had that free kick that Travers palmed wide, and then the ball flashed across the box twice within the space of about. 
20 seconds and thankfully it didn't come to anything but then the cross came over and then I think um, their player did, he wasn't really expecting the ball but he sort of managed to get a foot on it and it and it hit the post and thankfully it was it was cleared and you know we got away with it but we ground it out but you know by no means is that result unfair though we completely deserved that I think yeah we we deserve to win I think I think the difference as well that we showed was an intensity not to be intimidated by the Stoke players and the way they were playing and uh that was again incredibly refreshing to see you know we're no longer there were there were so many unbormer things about that performance last night mm. we're not a soft touch we're not giving loads of chances away to the opposition we're playing free flowing good quality football and keeping it tight at the back you know how many years has it been one or the other even even with Eddie it was always yeah. We'll score more than them. It'll be a four-three, but to win like that was um, was very un-Bournemouth-like, and and to play um, to play tough physical games back to back like that, and get six points. I mean, when it, it's years, it's what two thousand and three, the last time we kept six clean sheets away from home. Yeah, brand new record as the club have put on their website on afcb.co.uk. You can you can read the article and uh, you know credit to Scott Parker for doing what he's doing. And he's found players and he's found their position, or in some cases positions. You know, Christie playing in a different position again as he was to the weekend. And what an immense player he is! Uh, such a threat, aggressive, not a not a typical light player in that kind of position. And he's one that has got a, a bit of Matt Ritchie about him in terms of his left foot. It's a bit, you know, bit of a wand, the power. Um, he's highly strung, the energy. He celebrates other players' goals like he scored them himself. And at the end, you know what I really liked seeing? And you can see this on the extended highlights that is on afcb.co.uk is when the final whistle goes. I think someone, um, I think uh, Lerma throws his, bo- his body in and then either Cahill or or Pearson chest it and then the referee blows the whistle. It's cleared. And every single player is like, just, and it's like, wow. Like, you, you know, it's clear that they left everything out there on the pitch. And how many times were we saying last season, like, it, it's, it's like the players are just coasting. Yeah. Like even in the matches where we won, it felt like they probably could have given more, but they really gave everything and they were all so delighted. Like John Zamora, like properly went, you know, properly gave it some. And that for a for a fan when you're seeing that is oh it's just it's just amazing. Well, I talked about the game against Bristol City where it felt like Parker wanted to make a statement to the division by scoring lots of goals and didn't quite come off. Last mm. night, I think it was almost the statement of you want to try and beat us up, you're not going to do it. We're tough enough. We can do it. We're strong. Mentally, we're strong. Physically, we're strong. And we can go to places like Stoke. You know, it, if that that is going to be one of the toughest away games we will face all season, and we can go there and we can win. Yeah, and they've got that mixture as well because there are, you know, I would say that other teams have got a little bit more flair, but you know, they've got a sort of uh, they've got a balance of both, and so you know, you can play against the low block against Stoke, but also you can be they're a team that sort of plays on the counter attack sometimes as well. But we, you know, we managed to absolutely stunt that, and we're proving so hard to beat at the moment. It, it was an amazing defensive effort. When the time comes, we always we always deliver. Jeff, I thought was fantastic um going forward we you know we are we're so close to hammering aside and yeah. you know I, 
I don't want to say this because this will be memed up, but you know, Huddersfield should be worried at the weekend. And that you know, I I don't know how they're going to perform against us or what they're going to do. But when you've got Stacey, whose crosses are a reaping great rewards, Jaden Anthony, just wow, his footwork is just incredible, creating so much for us. We've got this lovely blend of youth and experience but not only that on the pitch we're seeing such balance as well aren't we it's, it's lovely like sometimes we've been guilty in the past of just being one-sided we're not seeing that now at all not at all it's 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 very well balanced it's it's a team and there's a real heart to it a determination and so much skill i mean we kept the ball so well last night in that second half i thought we we managed the game really well in that respect too you know we were we were still winning corners against them in the 80th minutes, you know, and it was like, wow, we can just, we can just do this. We can, we don't need to panic. We can run the clock down. We can win this game quite comfortably. Um, I felt quite comfortable. The, the, the best effort that Stoke had after hitting the post, which incidentally, actually he should have scored because yeah. that was a better chance than I think he realized at the time was that 30-odd free kick and Travers was comfortable saving that. So what what else did they really have? Um, not a lot. It's it's a, a, almost like a more rewarding victory than the game on Saturday because it was an ugly win and we, we knew it would be ugly and we did it and we did it with, I thought, a bit to spare still. Right. Scott Parker might have some negatives that you, will, you might want to focus on though because that's that's always the natural thing to improve and there are some things that I point out from the game Lloyd Kelly's distribution at times it feels like one out of four passes from the back over a certain distance at, are actually successful and meet their target there are a few times yesterday I felt he he possibly gave it away when he shouldn't have you know I thought he had a good game but just his distribution just needs some work on the ball I don't think we were completely on it the tempo of the passing I felt wasn't quite there and yeah too many misplaced passes and you know juxtapose that with the fact though we are working so hard that if we do concede a possession just like that goal uh from Dom Solanke suggested we are working so hard to get the ball back so you know for every negative that I'm finding you know there is a positive answer as well but there are still a few things to be worked on right yeah, conditions weren't that great. I mean, the number of times the ball sort of skidded off the surface and and bounced over the head of a player, or just um, just skidded off the surface and ran away from a player. I mean, that happened a few times. I wouldn't I wouldn't be too harsh on on Lloyd. I thought just um, defensively as a unit, you know, we we looked comfortable throughout the game, and. Um, the the one moment when the guy did get that chance to to score and hit the post, I think we were just a little bit sloppy in marking for about that five minutes. We didn't close them down quite as ruthlessly as we had been for the rest of the game. Just gave them a bit too much space and certainly a bit too much space when they loaded the box that they had a few players who, who found time and space. I mean... Campbell had a chance where he hits it through the legs of, of, of Jeff. Oh, yeah. yeah. And, you know, that again, you know, just a bit too much space to have the shot. But, you know, they were getting desperate. They were they were throwing players into the box and, and we were being put under a bit of pressure. But even then, I didn't really feel that they were going to score. Um, Travers didn't have to make a world-class save, did he? 
No, he didn't. And even the free kick, which he had to dive to his right, but it wasn't something that overly tested him. He was reading it all the way. And I think their fans are frustrated. There were over 18,000. In fact, there were 18,487 fans there at the Bet365. But I was just quite surprised how quiet the stadium was. But a great result. A great performance as well. Lovely to share the moment uh, with you all on the vlog and the players came over at the end. But also, credit also to Jeff Mostyn as well. If you're watching, Jeff, well played. Because there were a number of fans, including ourselves, because Morgan Scott, who we travelled with, wanted a few pictures. with. Um, he got a picture with Jay-Z, with Gavin Kilkenny, with Gary Cahill. Maybe with Mark Travers as well. I can't quite remember. But then Jeff Mostyn came out to the kind of a gabble of AFC Bournemouth fans that were standing there waiting and said, you know, thank you so much for traveling. Really appreciate it. Have a lovely, safe journey back. And yeah, you know, just little things like that. Really nice. And I think he even tweeted it at 1am as well. And he's been, he's been a chairman that's been criticized for only speaking when things are good. But recently he has, he has also tweeted when we've been up against it as well, but you know what, the board are going to be very happy with the way things are at the moment. And um, certain Max, uh, will will be very happy at the top won't he yeah i think i think we've got every right to be looking forward positively to the next batch of games it's it's no um it's no party in the championship i mean we've got some really tough fixtures coming up hmm. um and word of caution you know after a great start 27 points after 14 games last season we then were all looking forward to preston at home and uh, guess what you know Wheels came off a bit that night. So Huddersfield at home, we yeah. feel really confident, but don't take anything for granted in this league. So look how the table looked last night then, Jeff. That wow. they, that, that looked pretty uh, pretty viewing. Of, of course, there are matches going on at the moment, so that table is due to change, but our form, absolutely superb. And to be six points clear, absolutely superb. And if if 90 is that magic number, then if we carry on this form, it, you know, we'll have it wrapped up by, you know, 38, 39 matches maybe. But like you say, it's not all plain sailing, is it? And have you got any final thoughts or any, you know, like any words well, to the team or the fans or anything? I would say if we continue this theme of let's have an un-Bournemouth-like season, let's not have a really dodgy spell in January. That'd be great. Hmm. Let's try and maybe give our squad some experience of playing a, a cup matches and do really well in the cup again. That'd be nice. Uh, that would be quite un like, although, you know, we did, did quite well last season, I suppose, but unless I think injury free as well, eh? stay injury free, no crucial injuries, please. Um, what else could we, could we do with uh, Jeff not getting booked every game? I kind of feel he's handed that baton to Pearson really. Yeah. Um, I just, I just want to, Keep enjoying the team and the way they're playing because it is super enjoyable. And again, compare it to last season, we're in a totally different place, not just as a team, but I think as supporters, I think we all feel so much part of the success that's going on. The atmosphere in the ground on Saturday was brilliant. The away fans are doing an amazing job. The home fans have been terrific at games this season. If we can bring all of that energy and togetherness um, to back the team, be the 12th man, do all those cliche things. We've got a great season ahead. Yeah, 
we have. And just one further to, th- thing to mention, there were there were a few comments on Twitter saying Zamur is a bit one-footed, etc., which you could say that about Charlie Daniels, but look, he's he's an absolute legend. But you also um, might have forgotten in that match, not you, Jeff, because you were watching, but he did get a booking very early doors as well. Uh, therefore, to play for the rest of the match on a yellow card, um, you probably want to be using your favourable foot. And I know that there was a chance where he got through into the six-yard box and probably should have buried it if he had a right foot, but he didn't. He turned back and it kind of petered out. Look, we got the result. It doesn't matter. And look, how nice is it to be having these little headaches when we're so clear at the top of the table? I think it's absolutely superb. Yeah, it's it's brilliant. We all want a perfect performance. Really going to get it enjoy what we've got you know this is this is yeah. what we're seeing is a very rare uh team that parker's brought together and i think we're on the start of a journey that could be a number of years and we could have many many happy times ahead to everyone that made that arduous journey up a round trip of 430 miles and yeah that was the time in the car that took a little bit longer i've got to say because of the awful rain on the way back it was absolutely horrendous a couple of accidents that we passed and you know we were aquaplaning at some point but thankfully we were all right but now look at that our last five there have turned into four wins in a row now recently because that graphic is done beforehand and wow aren't we happy with that that lead table that we just saw was um was very good indeed if you want to support the channel you know you can do it by a super chat on this very youtube channel if you're watching now you can leave a super chat and also you can donate via Kofi. just one off or if you want to a monthly donation will enable you to become a legend that means your name will be on the legends wall at the end of the show and you can also join our private chat group as well and get every so often an exclusive first look at our youtube content or even some behind the scenes stuff as well and thank you also to those of you who've left some anonymous feedback for us we'll look we'll take it all in board and you may have seen in a few videos we've made tongue-in-cheek reference to it honestly we appreciate anything and everything we get as we look to improve this proposition so go to afcbpodcast.com forward slash feedback jeff hayward as ever it's been a pleasure, but you know, when we win, it's always a pleasure, right? Uh, it's always good. The, the dark days of uh, a couple of years ago are a long way away, aren't they? Hi, I'm Scott Mitchell. I was a 2015 BDO World Champion, and you're listening to the podcast Back of the Net. So thanks very much for tuning in. That audio was taken from our YouTube channel where you can always get an exclusive look at the latest second looks after each and every game on youtube.com forward slash AFCB podcast. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you in the next one. And now it's a chance for Ryan Christie. Right corner of the penalty here for the Cherries here. Onto his left foot. Spilled by the goalkeeper and turned in by Dom Zalecki. Christie's shot couldn't be held by the Welshman Adam Davis and Dom Solanke poaches the goal, his eighth league goal of the season and the Cherries have at last lit up the Bet365 Stadium by taking the lead on 51 minutes.
Social Podcast Network. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchases, only prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.